Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend on Chavruta, Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Megillah, daf bet. Page two, we're in a new Masachet. Reminder, we start on page two always. Um, we are making our way through Seder Moed, the the Seder of the Mishnah of times, I guess, of, which really begins to hit on the holidays with this Masachet, because oh, we've talked about Pesachim, we've talked about Yoma, Rosh Hashanah, I guess it's not just this one. And here we've got Masachet Megillah. Megillah is really about Purim. Now, we're going to find throughout the Masachet that there are many other topics addressed, the same way that we've seen in other Masachetot. There's a good chunk of liturgy, the, the basics of how we have our tefillot, of the, the morning service in particular, is later in the Masachet. But we, and we also have a good portion of, I guess we would call it Midrash, some, some Agada, that kind of thing, in terms of interpreting verses from the Megillah itself. This is Megillah Tester. And, but the whole of the Megillah kind of revolves around Purim, as we'll see, um, in different in different capacities. Um, we're going to begin with that. The first Mishnah is um, a classic Mishnah of time, right? We've talked about when does this start or, or whatever? When does this start? When does this end? From the beginning of Brachot, when we saw it now in Tanit. And now we've got a question of exactly when is it that you can read the Megillah, right? The Megillah meaning, and here throughout, Megillah just means scroll, but throughout Masach Megillah, unless there's a particular exception, when when we, when we Yerdena, you and I say Megillah, we're talking about Megillat Esther. And I will go back and forth between Ashkenazis and Sfaradit all the time. Too bad. It happens to be that I find this particular line of Mishnah, which sounds like it's so easy, to be actually incredibly challenging. It says as follows, The Megillah is read on the 11th, on the 12th, on the 13th, on the 14th, or on the 15th of the month of Adar. So first of all, it, the as I've just now said it, right, or on the 15th, already that makes it easier, as opposed to saying and on the 15th. It doesn't say and, it doesn't say or, it just lists off these dates. Um, the dates mean, meaning, I think everybody listening knows that we read the Megillah on the 14th of Adar, that is the date of Purim. And anybody who's encountered Jerusalem knows that we have, um, maybe in schools or shul carnivals and so on, that there's also Shushan Purim, which is on the 15th. And that is when Jerusalem reads Megillat Esther, for its Shushan Purim, meaning as opposed to reading on the 14th. But the rest of these dates, 11, 12, 13, what is happening here? Why are they here? And there's no prior explanation to think, at least in our experience of Purim, that there would be a reading of the Megillah on any day other than the 14th, or if you happen to be in Jerusalem on the 15th. So this is going to be, this is going to occupy our attention and the Gemara's attention for at least a little bit of time. The, the Mishnah here goes on to explain what this means, at least to, to some extent. Those cities which have a wall around them from the time of Yahushua ben Nun, meaning Yahushua ben Nun is the same Yahushua, the same Joshua, you know, for whom the walls came down in Jericho. He's the heir to Moshe Rabbeinu. And he is really going back in Jewish history as about as far as we can in terms of leadership that enters the land of Israel. So, when we say that a city is walled, that has a wall around it, that has been extant since the time of Yoshua ben Nun, we are talking basically the entirety of there being a Jewish people in the land of Israel at all has a wall. And so that basically leaves us with 
the ancient wall around Jerusalem, which predates, you know, David's King David's building of Jerusalem. Um, and that's, you know, that's the day that we read on the 15th. That's how we get there. And later we'll talk about how that really comes about because Shushan, the city of Shushan, where the story Purim happens, had a wall around it. <laughs> Excuse me. Villages and big cities would read on the 14th. Well, yes, we know about that, right? Meaning that means like the, the bulk of everybody would read on the 14th. But there are villages that would read the Megillah on a different day that wasn't the 14th or the 15th in the event that that would be the market day. Meaning the implication is that they, you know, and market day, I'm sorry, is usually understood to be Monday or Thursday, either day. So then the the day of reading would not be the 14th, but it would be brought earlier as to the day of the market day when people would gather. And the idea is that maybe your village is so small that you don't have somebody in it who is expert enough to really be reading the Megillah. And and it also it's going to distract everybody from, let's say, their basic schedule, their regular, regularly scheduled work or whatever it is. So they come together on the market day anyway. So then that's when the Megillah should be read. And the and underlying that, of course, is part of the idea. Well, part of it is the convenience of it and to make sure that it happens. But part of it is the idea of Pirsume Nisa, to publicize the miracle, which happens when people come together for the reading of the Megillah. Okay, so now the Mishnah goes on. This mission is long, but not in the way that the Mishnayot and Tainit were long. Kate said, so how does that work? How does that work? So if the 14th is on a Monday, so then the cities and the and the regular towns would eat, would read on that Monday and the and the villages as well. And the walled cities would read Lamachar, that's on Tuesday. If it falls out on Tuesday or Wednesday, the, the smaller villages would make it earlier. They would read earlier on Monday. The cities would read on that Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the 14th fell out to be. And the, the walled cities would read on Wednesday or Thursday, depending when the 15th would fall out to be. So what that means is then that we've got the the villages are reading either on the 13th or on the 12th, right? If it falls out on a Wednesday, then they're backing backing up two days. That's on the 12th. What happens if it's on a Thursday? Meaning the 14th falls out to be on Thursday. Then the villages and the cities will read on the 14th, which is Thursday. They'll read, the city, the world cities will read on Friday. Chaliot Erev Shabbat, if the 14th falls out on Friday, the villages will read on the 13th, which is Thursday. And then we have this interesting situation where the cities read on the 14th and the walled cities also read on the 14th, which is Friday, rather than put them in a situation, which we'll talk about later, of having to carry the Megillah on Shabbos, which could be a problem of Shabbat. What happens if the 14th falls out to be on, on Shabbat itself? So then the villages and the cities read early, namely on Thursday. And the walled cities read on Sunday. Nowadays we call this particular kind of calendar Purim Mishulash, and it gets particularly interesting or complicated 
for um, Shushan Purim, for those who live in Jerusalem. Shabbat, if the, you'll recall we started off, it falls on a Monday. If it's if the 14th falls out on Sunday, meaning Achar Shabbat, that's Moti Shabbat, which we'll call Sunday, Kfarin Makdimin Liyom the villages read earlier on Thursday. Ayarok Dolok Korin Bobayom, the big cities will read on Sunday. And the walled cities will read the next day, which is Monday. And that gives us well, we didn't. I didn't track it through to get to to get us to the eleventh. The eleventh, I think, is that last case of um, if the fourteenth is on Sunday, right, and the thirteenth is on Shabbat, and the twelfth is on Friday. Then the then the villages that were made it early to read on the Yom Knisa, the market day prior to the Sunday Yodal, the Sunday being the 14th, that gets it to the 11th. And now we can go back to the first line of Mishnah and see 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, lo and behold, the Megillah is read on each and any one of these days, but then, but also not before then, meaning never on the 10th and never on the 16th. So I always found this Mishnah, which I've learned many times, to really just be kind of like a, it's a brain teaser, right? Like you sort of have to map out all the different scenarios of when the Megillah can actually be uh, read. But it's there's something, uh, you know, it's a puzzle, basically, that needs to get fit together. Right, exactly. And that's why I say, like, it's it seems like such a simple line. And then you realize, wait, how does that happen? Right. And I think also because it's really not how we practice today. And the Gemara goes through that. You know, the, the Gemara basically is going to spend time figuring out when the when the Megillah says only the 14th and 15th, how does it allow the 11th, 12th, and 13th? We're not going to read that part inside, but just notice it's like a takana of Anshe Knesset Hagdola. You know, that this is sort of where we sort of see an early enactment of Hazal sort of, you know, saying, okay, well, this is how it's actually going to be practiced. But then the Gemara comes to tell us, but in today's day and age where we're not ruling in our land, where the calendar is set, you know, in a, in a different way, it's not set by the Besden anymore, this is not something that we're going to follow anymore. And so, you know, I think we're used to these types of Mishnahs, Mishnahs that are sort of describing the, the ideal or pre, you know, pre-destruction of a temple way that something was supposed to be worshipped or observed. Um, and it's always interesting when the, when the Mishnah doesn't put like a little bit of a qualifier there, right? Which is like, right, but just know this isn't necessarily how we do it today. Or, you know, these are the caveats for when it would apply with that. And I think that's, you know, very familiar in terms of the Mishnahs we learned in Sachim and in Yoma, you know, sort of a Mishnah that's sort of the ideal, but not necessarily how it was actually practiced, even necessarily in the time that it's going to be, you know, was written and when it's discussed by the Gemara. Um, yes, I think that's exactly the case. And I think that putting it into the context of everything else is also helpful. So I'm going to move down now um, to a um, uh, part of the Gemara in Amud Bet. Uh, that wants to get into, you know, the, the part that says, Krachim hamukafim chomat yimot Yoshua ben-nun korimba chamishasa, right? So the people who lived in cities that were surrounded by walls at the time of Yoshua ben-nun, they read the Megillah on the 15th. So the Gemara says, Menahani mile, right? How do we actually know this? Like what in the scripture itself, what in Megillat Esther itself tells us that the wall cities read the Megillah on the 15th? And so they're going to give the source and Rava comes and he quotes a pasuk here, right? The Amar Right. Therefore, the Jews of the unwalled places who dwell in unwalled cities, right? And the rest of that Patsuk says that they make it on the 14th day. So this is Esther 
uh, chapter 9, verse 19. And then the Gemara says, right, since it specifies the unwalled cities um, are going to be on... Uh, are going to be on the 14th. So it seems to imply that walled cities would be on the 15th. Now the Gemara has a great questionnaire. Okay, but maybe you should say the unwalled cities celebrate on the 14th. And maybe the walled cities don't have to do Purim at all, right? You know, so maybe it's that only walled cities, uh, it, you know, maybe it's just unwalled cities do Purim. And the walled cities, you know, they just don't do, they wouldn't do anything at all. So then the Gemara says, Belab Yisrael Nine, aren't the residents of these walled cities, aren't they also Jews? Right? In other words, how could they not have to do Purim? Ba'od and more, Mehodu Ad Kush right? In the first Pasuk of Esther, right, the very famous chapter one verse was, it says from Hodu to Kush. So what that's saying is that the Purim was basically accepted by all of, you know, the provinces of Ahasuerush, which would be anywhere from Hodu to Kush. So certainly this would include the walled city. So in other words, that first pasuk of Esther is telling us, you know, anyone, walled cities, unwalled cities has to do Purim. And then this pasuk of chapter 9, verse 19 is telling us more about, you know, the difference between one walled and unwalled cities. So now the Gemara is going to have another question. Right. So maybe we could say the unwalled cities are on the 14th. And the walled cities would do the 14th and the 15th. In other words, minimally, maybe say the uh, the walled cities also should have to do the 14th, but they also get the 15th. And how do they prove this? And here they're quoting Esther uh, chapter 9, verse 21. Right? And so that they would observe the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day, right? each and every year. So what this pasuk seems to be saying is that Purim is really a two-day festival that lasts the 14th and the 15th. And since it doesn't apply to the unwalled cities, right, which the pasuk told us explicitly in that same paragraph, but in chapter 19, the unwalled cities are going to do the 14th. So then maybe it's the walled cities, the Mukafin, they do the 14th and the 15th according to this pasuk, verse 21. So now the Gemara says, If the Pasuk read, and this is where you sort of like, it's not translatable well into English. You really have to look at the verse itself, right? If it said the 14th and the 15th, but basically that those words, the 14th and the 15th, are only conjugated by the letter Vav, right? Without the word Et, which is how it appears in the actual Pasuk itself. It says, Va'et Hamisha Asar. Right, if it was only with a vav, kidzikamart, then it would be as you suggested. The 14th and the 15th are sort of a group together. But because it actually says in the Pasuk, because it says the 14th and the 15th, and again, it's not something that's translatable into English, but it's the idea that that extra word, the eight, is there, right? The, the word eight comes and sort of uh, makes a separation, right? It, 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 it's an interruption between the 14th and the 15th. And this teaches that the two dates are not celebrated together. Right? There's a celebration of the 14th and a celebration of the 15th. And they are not actually connected to each other. Now the Gemara is going to have another challenge to this. Okay, so maybe say unwalled cities are on the 14th. 
Mukafin, right? The walled cities, Ibal Ke'abasar. If they want, they could do the 14th. Ibal Bachameshasar, right? Or if they want, they could do the 15th. So we've gone from saying maybe walled cities don't have to do anything, right? To maybe saying the walled cities do um, the 14th and the 15th, right? Um, to maybe now saying it could be the 14th or the 15th, whichever they would prefer it to be. Amar Krabbismanehan. Right. So this is the Pasuk that was quoted earlier in the Gemara. We didn't read this part, um, but tried to figure out how you could even get to the 11th and 12th day altogether. So this is, again, the same chapter, chapter nine, verse 31. Right. In their times, meaning each area is going to have its own specific time. There's a time for the walled cities, there's, which is not the same time as for the unwalled cities. Um, and so therefore, if the walled cities are designated as the 14th, the unwalled cities have to be a total different designation. That's going to be the 15th. The Gemara has another possibility here. Okay, so maybe say then the walled city should be the 13th of Adar, right? Why are we going to the 15th? Kishushan, right? No. So what we're saying is, is that the walled cities, we're going to do it as the same day of uh, Shushan, right? We know from the parak that Shushan did it on the 15th. And since the Basuk doesn't have a specific date for the wall cities, we're just going to assume that it's the same date as Shushan. Now, when you go through all of this, you know, it's sort of just interesting that it's not explicit. Like if they wanted it to be, well, I guess it's explicit in sort of a Midrash Halakha sort of way, right? We're looking for sort of a hint, um, you know, in the Pesukim to say, you know, what's the Halakha? But I, to me, you know, I feel that this probably was a little bit more of a, looking backwards, you know, there was some tradition that obviously evolved, starting from the fact that Shushan did not celebrate on the 14th. There were other cities that obviously did that. You know, it seems to be the common factor was, you know, it was uh, on the 15th. Uh, sorry, it was walled cities that did it on the 15th, like Shushan. Um, and so then we sort of see the Gemara going backwards, I think, a little bit to sort of say, all right, where do we see this in the Psukim themselves? But Again, I think what's interesting about this entire discussion and like the Mishnah that you did that talked about doing it anywhere from the 11th to 15th, you know, this is a new holiday. This is not a holiday of Shabbat, of a Yom Tov. And so in a way, we're sort of seeing like, how does the holiday itself evolve? And I think there's sort of a little bit more of a leeway with this holiday, with Purim, that doesn't exist with Shabbat, that doesn't exist with the Chagim. And we see like the liberty taken with that to actually use it. There's some wiggle room about when it actually needs to be uh, observed. So I think it's an interesting question. Um, were they, uh, let's put it this way. I think in the time of the Mishnah, they are not making the decree as a new decree, right? But I think that they may well have been observing the fact that the cities, the, the villages rather, had already figured out how to do this in a way to make it happen. Or they might have realized that there was something not quite right working for the villages in terms of the fact that maybe they weren't getting to to read it on the 14th. So so then in the time of Chazal, they said, well, whoa, whoa, we've got to establish Purim in a way that everybody can hear the Megillah. That's the essence of the day of, of Purim. It's not the only mitzvah of the day, but it's the essence of the day. So let's make sure that we've, and then we've got this Mishnah that gives this like very complicated way to make sure that the people in the small villages would be able to hear it without having to trek to a big city, for example, right? And I, I feel like 
yeah, that is establishing a new holiday and that that leeway is there. And also there's a goal, it seems to me, you know, inherent in the way the mission is is addressing all of these possible dates to make sure that everybody has the capacity is in a, it should be in a position to be able to hear the Megillah with it, you know, each year, put it that way. Yeah. And I wonder if some of this was also like a liter- like a access to the Megillah itself issue. You know, today it's not uncommon that you'll go to shul. Many people have Megillah. Um, I wonder how many Megillah were actually like floating around. Like did each village have one? Did smaller villages have to join together? Like there's no printing press. Um, so that's in terms of people following along. And we're going to see that later on in the Masechah, like how it was actually read before there were books for everybody to follow, which is interesting. Um, but the other piece is like how many people actually, like how many cloths were there of the Megillah itself? That's something I've always wondered about this, the part, the particular practice of reading the Megillah itself. So I think the, I think that this is, I'm sure that that is part of it. I'm sure that there weren't that many Megillot. Uh, you know, vellum, which is the, what it was written on, you know, is expensive and, and getting one written is also not so cheap, right? For everybody to have one. We we just came off of Ta'anit and we're talking about, you know, the need for food and the need for rain for food, right? I think that we can understand that maybe not every home had their own Megillah. Even nowadays, not every home has their own Megillah. Um, but also, not everybody knew how to read the Megillah. And so then the the making sure that you have somebody local to do it. You know, I don't think that it's a given that everybody, that every little village had an expert Megillah reader. It's read much less frequently, let's say, than the Torah reading. And it's, you know, it's, as you said, it's newer than Torah reading as well. In terms of the priority, were they going to give it to, uh, you know, there's some open questions from a historical perspective, what was really happening in establishing the holiday and how long did it take till it was really established? I think that the the skill and the ownership here are both part of this you know, why would it be that the that they would need to establish so many different days as possible days to read the Megillah? Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hajin website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.